Hello, lovely single mums, and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be discussing how to recover from a narcissistic relationship. My name is Lucy Good, and I am the founder of Beanstalk, an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mums from all walks of life. And today I have great pleasure in chatting to divorce coach Megan Holgate. Now, it was after a 25-year career in the financial markets that Megan became a divorce coach and created her dream business whilst taking a sabbatical to support her daughter's battle with anorexia. Being a divorce coach specialising in narcissists was the missing piece Megan desperately needed during her divorce from her investment banker husband. She had felt bullied, coerced and frightened into accepting a less than fair settlement offer and it was for this reason that she created her business with the aim to educate women to ensure this never happens to them. Now Megan coaches women contemplating divorce, during divorce and after divorce when they need guidance to create the next amazing life chapters She feels that having a coach expedites you through days, even months or years of not living your best life and that we remain in this state living life at only 50% until we are truly healed, which is something that we all deserve. Welcome to the Beanstalk podcast, Megan. Thank you, Lucy. What an amazing introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like to give my guests um, a nice introduction and let the listeners know a little bit about you and to know that you're the right person to be talking about on this topic as well. (laughs) Oh yes I am indeed unfortunately. Uh, Unfortunately and fortunately you're one of those amazing women who's turned a difficult situation in their life into something incredible um, and you're able to help so many other women which is extremely empowering isn't it? It, it is, and it's it's very much needed, and it's like my motto is never, never give up, as Winston Churchill told us, and that's what I um, that's why I've created this amazing business. Mm, God, he had some great mottos, didn't he? That man. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> hey, look, now you were a highly paid financial markets executive, as I mentioned, when you met your husband. So uh-huh. you were doing pretty well in life, by all accounts, yes. and yet during your relationship with him, um, you relegated your financial power which is a huge no-no and we'll discuss Mm -hmm. it um, in detail later on in the chat Um, but looking at your own personal situation can you talk us through how this can happen you know going from being a financially independent lady to having no or very little power at all Um, I think it's I was very young firstly I was like 25 when I was married but I I look back and it was complete and utter naivety because I just completely implicitly trusted this man. I had no, I had um, a, an example of marriage from my parents who, when my father passed away, they'd been married 52 years. They were a partnership. And I didn't understand uh, going into a relationship to mould everything, to put everything, you know, everyone's trust in the other person was just blind faith. My, I was a financial trader to begin with and then I worked for multinational um, financial information providers within the financial markets, whereas my husband was the chief financial officer. So he was like the um, amazing like guru when it comes to you know finances and money and so he always in the relationship had the edge that I was, you know, I'm better at investing, I'm better at, you know, you know whatever we can do with our money and I just simply 
went along with it. And when I look back, I, I say to myself, how can I be that, like, blind? But when I look at it, I, I don't um, berate myself anymore. I just realized I was so busy with life that we were in this, like, little bubble of um, immense wealth. And I just thought everything will be fine. Like, I trust him. You know, I'm earning this money. I, it was just blind, implicit trust, which mm. I teach my daughter not to ever do. <laughs> mm, it's sometimes about saying to yourself, I've got to come up for air and just assess the situation because you can get so caught up in the moment, can't you, that you don't take oh, in what's happening around you. Absolutely. And the, the really staggering thing is when we um, joined up, I was the one with more money. I bought my first property at 21. I did everything right. I lived at home. I invested in property. I didn't spend money frivolously. I was just like the textbook perfect financial good girl. Mm. And um, as we bought property together, um, everything was in joint names. But when you've got a financier on the other side of finances, they can do magic things with money, which is eventually what my ex-husband did. Mm. But they can do magic things with money in a good way, but also in a bad way, can't they? Absolutely. (laughs) And my biggest mistake was not saying each month, okay, where are we investing? Where's our money? Where's it going? What shares have we got? Where's our property? I just complicitly just left it to him. You trusted him. I trusted him as I was busy. He was very much, I work, he works, that's all he does. I worked up to 16 hours some days, but then I had to organize country relocations Um, finding a house I did everything on top of my career whereas all he did was work so Mm. I was kind of too busy to even bother about where's our money yeah yeah so interesting so look I'm going to get into the questions that I've got for you because I know that this is going to be such an interesting podcast for so many of my uh, single mums but firstly as the word narcissism is so liberally thrown around nowadays um, too liberally can you just explain to us what are the true traits of a narcissist and how can these traits affect a relationship? Wow. Well, the term narcissist comes from the medical term called narcissistic personality disorder. And this is someone who is not like you and I. They actually suffer from a disorder. Now, this disorder is on a spectrum basis and it's different from being a sociopath they're not born a narcissist it's something that has happened to them during their childhood and they become very damaged human beings and the only way they control the environment around them what's happening is um they become a narcissist and how they go into life they um what they do when they when when they enter into relationships we are swept off our feet there's an actual process of what happens when we meet a narcissist and stage one is they love bombers and they come along and they're this most amazing charming just the most ideal perfection of a human being that you've ever seen and we are swept up in this like love bombing phase um until we're actually cementing the relationship and we're so deeply in love or even to the stage that we're married to these human beings. And then they go on to the next phase, which is when they start to devalue us. Now, narcissists are chameleons. They do not um, expose their true self to us. They hide behind a mask until we're so deeply entrenched in the relationship and that's when they begin to 
begin to show their true selves and who they are. And that's as they begin to cut us down and to demean us and diminish our power and diminish everything fantastically that we have, that it, which is why they are attracted to us in the first place, which is how we lose our power. Um, the m- most important thing with um, someone who is in a relationship with a narcissist, understand you're an amazing human being because they don't target anyone. They target the brightest, the most beautiful, the cleverest, the most fantastic human beings because they need us to fuel their inner insecurity, which is um, the part of the narcissist which most people don't understand. Wow. And so, I mean, that when you, when you were talking, uh, the first thing you said about that they love bomb you and they're just amazing and they're oh, wonderful yeah. people. I mean, oh, that would make me worry if I went into a relationship and someone was like that. I'd be, is there, is there any early warning signs? Because and I suppose <laughs> yes. that's the danger of it, isn't it? They're so lovely at the beginning yes. that you do get swept up on it. But are there any warning signs that we could look for early on before uh, it absolutely. gets too late? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the the... the, the the warning signs um, are—they actually absolutely like want to control um, everything. They want to like where, when you go for dinner, where you go, actually even turning up to a restaurant, and they've ordered you a drink without even asking if you drink that certain, you know, alcohol or certain type of wine, or if they're really um, too overpowering, like they want to see you every day or um, it it escalates from just dating to they want to move in with you within three weeks or, you know, they tell you they love you within two weeks or they, um, you know, even talk about marriage. And the easiest way to really identify if they have any narcissistic traits, it's so easy. All you have to say is no. Um, no, I don't want to do this, or no, that doesn't suit me, or just no, and because they don't like no. Mm. No is like a red flag to a bull. Mm. So see what their reaction is if you put yes. the no out there. <laughs> Leave and that hanging in the air. <laughs> absolutely. And when you say no, make sure you're in person because you have to see their body because the, their whole body just reacts to, mm. to no, and it doesn't react in a good way. And it's incredibly dangerous, really, isn't it? Because when you talk about perhaps ordering you a drink, you might see that as rather endearing or quite romantic that they've yes. done something like that. So yes. I yes. suppose we're already going back to what we were saying at the beginning, which is just keep your eyes open because yes. and be aware of what's going on. And what a wonderful um, way to test the situation earlier on and how simple with, with that simple um, saying a no. And Absolutely. It's fantastic advice. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so like with so many problems that we face in our lives, um, acceptance and understanding are the very first steps to being able to resolve um, and recover. How would you advise us to work through these two important stages um, when coming out of one of these difficult narcissistic relationships? My, my number one piece of advice is to not be ashamed of what's happened. Own it and and step up and say, oh, my God, like, you know, I was in a relationship with a narcissist. And don't put it all on them like he or she is a narcissist and it's all their fault. Really look and think, why why did I fall for this? Why did I get – why did I fall into this relationship? And once you own that and – accept it and speak up about it, you'll eradicate any shame because shame is a horrible, horrible emotion that can keep you like holed up inside as it did me when my relationship broke up, when 
our daughter was eight weeks old and I had to move from Hong Kong to Sydney overnight. I was just in this world of shame. But I, I, I didn't tell people what was going on. I didn't own up. I just lived in this I just hold up and didn't go outside, which was ridiculous because if I put my hand up and said, hey, my husband, you know, his sexuality hasn't been honest and he planned all this and this is where I am, I'm a single mum now with an eight-week-old baby, that would have just been the best thing because I would have eradicated any semblance of shame and I'd be honest and, and open and just go, it, you know, I put my hand up, I fell for this man, hook, line and sinker, now I've just got to move on and deal with it. But we don't. We, we spiral down into this, oh, why did I do it? Why did I pick this person? Why didn't I see it? Which we just we can't go there. And that's what I really help my clients with because I find that that is the number one area that they really get stuck and you can spiral into a very, very dark place. And it's great nowadays, isn't it, as well, that people can go online and tap in at the problem. So there would be ladies who go on, you know, pop something into Google, um, you know, broken up. How do you get over a relationship with a narcissist? And up up pops your website um, and other resources as well. And I think as soon as people can see, hey, I'm not the only one, they feel much more able to admit and open up and accept and that's where the healing begins oh absolutely and they're so fortunate these days like my divorce was 20 years ago and I was seeing one of the top therapists in Sydney but she never talked about narcissists never and my healing took a very long time because no like I didn't quite understand what had happened for a very long time Yeah, of course. And I think um, it's quite difficult though, isn't it? Because I think when you're healing or trying to get over a relationship, you do need to take control of that by accepting your part in in the breakdown of a relationship. And I've often found in the past that that's helped me to say, look, okay, this is where I went wrong. This is what Mm. I did wrong. And this is where I can learn and perhaps do better next time. But with um, a relationship with the narcissist, you're kind of putting all of the blame onto the person that they are. Um, yes. and you, so you haven't actually got anything I guess you can learn so you do it differently next time but you do need to take some acceptance for it don't you um, oh absolutely and that's quite a large um, p- portion of my my course which is free yourself from the narcissist and in my upcoming book you must get to the core of why why you partnered with a narcissist and this was the whole reason I created this business because I did find some people out there that were offering advice but I found a lot of it quite still victim-focused, um, like mm. you were the victim because you were with a narcissist. But no, it, there's narcissists all around us everywhere. And if you don't get to the core of why you partnered with a narcissist, you will repeat that pattern just as I did. Mm. I did it twice. Mm, yeah. And once I got to the core and accepted it and understood it so clearly, then it was time to just get, eradicate it from my life. Mm. and. So that is the most important part of everything I teach my clients. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I'll probably touch on that a little bit later on as well, I sure. think, um, because that's a really important thing, not to repeat the cycle. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we've already talked about being left with that terrible feeling of shame, and you also have feelings of self-loathing, as you do from when you come out of any relationship. You just feel horrible, and you, yes. you feel like you failed, which you haven't. Relationship, <laughs> you know, Past relationships, I don't believe are failures. I think they're just lessons, mm-hmm. um, and we have to try, if we can, to pick the good bits out of it and hold on to those. Um, but so what are the key points that you have for the mums listening to overcome these these feelings of self-loathing and shame? I know you've written a blog about that recently as well. So um, if you perhaps just point out the key things now and then people can take a look at that blog later on if they want to on your website. Oh, I think the, the most important points that I have learned is instead of beating yourself up and, um, you know, giving yourself more self-loathing is to accept what has happened and heal with love. Um, Kristen Neff, her book Self-Compassion, that is what I was doing years ago before I even read her book. Instead of saying how could you have um, picked this person to be the father of your child and now he's abandoned you, you said, this is the person who was meant to be the father of my child. I had an amazing three years. Now it's over. Now we move on. Um, it, it's it's changing your mindset. It's changing your thinking patterns, um, just like from darkness to lightness. Like I, I can't do this to I can do this and I will do this. You have to embrace yourself with like so much self-love and, and surround yourself with um, only good um, positive people anyone that in your life is negative or is going to put you down just you can't do you can't bother with them you have to maybe put them to the side and when you're healed maybe you can embrace them back into your life but all you need to surround yourself with is self-love and people who are going to nurture you and be kind and loving and that's that's the best way through it yeah and that and how you heal and I mentioned it in the introduction is so important because until you're fully healed you're not living your best life and I come across um, mums every day who um, and wasn't that long ago I was speaking to somebody who broke up with their ex the father of their children 11 years ago and had still not got over that relationship Mm -hmm. and I find it incredibly sad that that's so long to be living um, as a, a a lesson fulfilling life because you haven't quite worked out what you need to do to heal properly and it's just not right and that's where I think it's so wonderful that we've got all these resources that we can reach out to and get proper support because we get this one life we need to live it absolutely to the full Um, and we don't do we so often after a breakup no, I, I have many women and men contact me. I had one just in the past few months and her marriage was over 12 years ago and she still hadn't healed mm. until she, she took my, undertook my course and she just said to me, I'm actually free for the first time in 12 years. Mm. She still had so much bitterness and, and anger and, and I hit that stage about two years after my divorce and I was, I was bitter and twisted from all the, the money I lost and my life turned upside down. But I can remember just sitting down one day and reading this book on forgiveness and just think, that's it. This is the line in the sand. No more. You know, I'm just wasting my life. It's time for a new life. And we must reach that point. Otherwise, we're just living our life at, as you said, 50% or even 25%. And it actually hinders us so much to move on. Very difficult to move on to a successful relationship afterwards if you're taking bitterness from a past relationship 
with you. You need to let go of all of that and start again with a clean slate, um, but yes. with all these wonderful lessons that you've learned and making sure you don't make the same mistakes again. Also, not only in your relationship, Lucy, it, it also follow, flows through into your parenting, mm. into your career, because if you're not living your best life, still with all this bitterness and, and hatred and anger, it, it flows through in every area of your life. Yeah, it does. And that's interesting you mention parenting because my next question for you is mm-hmm. focused on um, on the children. So with the listeners today being single mums, children will factor very high in any relationship breakdown. So how do you suggest we support our children who may also be experiencing control issues um, from our ex-partner? Oh, wow. Okay, but my number one rule is... Um, whatever my ex-husband did, I never spoke um, badly about him. Um, yes. <laughs> ever, ever, so ever, ever. And, you know, it was really hard because he was the fun Santa Claus dad living overseas, just seeing our daughter a few times a year and amazing holidays, you know, whisking around on airplanes. Um, so that was my number one rule. Number two, um, when he did let her down, which he did on numerous times, I, again, I never belittled him. I just had to, you know, make up some kind of white stories to make dad not be the bad guy because I knew she adored him and I never wanted to interfere with this relationship. And I'm so proud of myself that I did this because there was many times I can say I actually hated him. But we had a bond and we were friends after I got over the hate and um, we used to fly over and so she could spend time with him. And when he passed away when she was only 12, I was just so proud of myself because we, we, I took her to London for a, a couple of trips to really be there with him and, and him and I and our daughter were just this little bond and I was just so proud that I did that and it shows that you can be the good parent regardless of what your ex is doing on the other side because we must demonstrate to our children what a good and solid and responsible parent looks and feels like. Yeah, because we're role modeling, aren't we? And I think absolutely, it's great for parents who are still together and they're role modeling what that happy, standard, stereotypical family looks like. But as co-parents, we're also capable of doing some incredible role modeling, I think. And in fact, in some ways, even better by showing our children that, hey, this didn't work out as we thought it would, um, but we're doing the best we can. We're overcoming this. And, and look, we're, you know, this is okay now. It, it's yes. not what we expected, but that's a great lesson to teach our kids. And we can do that as co-parents. I think we can. I think it's really hard when your ex is a narcissist because they will want to be the fun, amazing parent. When the children go there, they might have lax times going to bed. They can use, you know, tech really late. And when they come back and you're maybe the stricter parent, you will come up against resistance. But just stay strong because later on in life, your children will appreciate that you were the actual parent um, demonstrating to them what a good and caring and loving parent truly is. I call it complimentary co-parenting. So when, <laughs> when, when dad um, and my ex was not a narcissist, but he was certainly 
Well, I would say a Disney dad, but he's 50-50. Yeah. He, he just would have the kids and they they would just have the best time with him. They love yeah. him and what well, they still do. And yeah. they would just be doing activities all day, eating junk food, staying up yeah. late. But they they were happy. And I knew that it wasn't my place to, to say anything to my ex. And I knew even if I did, it wouldn't get me anywhere. In fact, it would cause problems between us, which would filter through to the children. So yes. I didn't say anything. And instead, I just tried to compliment what he offered to them. So they would come back to mine exhausted so I would get them into a really comfortable routine I would give them nourishing food um, we would have lots of downtime um, so they were having the fun but they were coming back and I was balancing out what he did um, and I think that's if you can't communicate well enough or you can't persuade your ex to do things differently that's the best that you can do and it sounds very much as if that's what you were doing yes absolutely and I, as you said Lucy there's no point saying don't do this this one time they went on a trip and there was just a major plane crash near where they were going I said please don't go on these small light planes well that was like red rag to a bull of course of course they went on a little jet you know of course they did so a reasonable request so as you said complimentary co-parenting that's a really good term and I think that's the best we can do and and I just instill never talk negatively about your ex, no matter what they do, because that is their either that is their father, and they deserve to have a great relationship with their father. Yeah, they do. And is there any danger? You mentioned that narcissism <laughs> is not something people are born with. Um, no. it, it it's created from childhood. Um, yes. Is it possible that a child with a narcissistic parent could take on those traits? And if yes. so, is there a way of preventing that happening to your own children? I don't know. It, it is common. It does happen, particularly with boys. Oh, but I've seen it with girls too. I think the the best thing you can do is just continually talk to your children you know, be that loving parent, especially with a mother and a son, and demonstrate to your son what what men should be, what what, the, what men need to be. Like you might have an ex-husband who's, I don't know, military and hard and harsh and, and you know, that's their role model. Like he might adore, you know, his father. But I, I feel if you just embrace your son and with as much love as you can, I'm sure they can counterbalance that, and I've seen that happen. Mm, um, yeah. Yes. So it's just putting those messages out there and just keeping an eye on them and making sure that they're in, going in the right direction to be amazing humans. You know, Lucy, that what children really need is time, and, you know, I haven't been the most perfect parent at times, and the, some of the t- times I've missed things is when I was too busy. Mm. And that's what I say. When your children are with you and when you, if you feel there's something up, really be with them and watch their body language because they might want to tell you something and they're too afraid to talk against the other parent and that's a really important point and something I'll just add in there because I'm now the mother to a 12 and 15 year old two girls um, (laughs) and as much as I always thought it was so important to be around for them when they were younger which of course it is um, I think it's even more important as they're going through their teenage years to be there for them not necessarily um, um, interacting with them the whole time but just being there and being available to them through those 
teenage years is really important, isn't it? Absolutely. It is so crucial. 15, mm. year nine is such a, an important, crucial year. <laughs> so is. So many people have said to me, other parents, yeah. look, hey, you know, if, 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 if Amber's going through a hard time at the moment, just give it some time because years nine and 10 are hard, but when they get into uh-huh. 11 and 12, that everything settles down again. <laughs> It does. Year nine, I actually pulled my daughter out of school and moved her to another school, thank God, and transformed her life. Yeah. 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 So that's when you do. And it's interesting, and I love it when my podcasts do this, because we're, we're, we're um, tracking back to something we said at the beginning, um, which was about being too busy. Oh, um, you were yeah. saying earlier how you ended up in the situation you did in your relationship because you were too busy to, to come up for air and realize what was happening and yes. so, yeah so that's so important earlier on but later on with the kids especially if you've got the narcissistic father there don't make yourself too, bit too busy that you're not aware of what's going on with them and guiding no, them that's what I, I really learned in my, my my daughter became very sick at first year of university at 18 and I had missed some signs. Like I understood she was not well and she was seeing a psychologist, but I really didn't understand the gravity of it. I was a single mum and I was caring for my mother who was ill and my father had just passed away. I was just I had just too much on my plate and my daughter missed out at that time. And so I that's why I quit everything to make it up because I realised I had to save this child and but I had really missed some really big warning signs, Lucy. Yeah. Yeah, so just keep, keep your eyes open as much as possible. No, none of us are perfect, but we just do our best. No, exactly. Now, I'm, my final question to you is something that we did touch on earlier, but we'll just yes. go a little bit deeper into it. So we all know how easy it is to fall into behavioral patterns in our relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and having successfully overcome a relationship with a narcissist, what are your key tips to break the cycle and ensure that we don't attract another similar relationship? You have to, the most important thing, Lucy, you have to get to the why. Why did you, why did you enter into this relationship? And there's, there's predominantly a, a few really key points here. And I um, understand I've had extensive therapy to get to the core of this, but in a nutshell, um, many, many times, I'd say nearly 90% of my clients are their daughters of narcissists, narcissistic mothers, daughters of narcissistic fathers, or they could just have been at a very low point in their life and this, you know, super charming narcissist came along. But whichever point or however you know that you enter this relationship, you must get to that core why. If you don't get to that core of why and you keep blaming that person because they were a narcissist, you'll repeat this over and over and over again as I have clients who've been in narcissistic relationships over and over for 20 years and they still are in victim mode blaming the narcissist. Hmm. So that is my number one key. And if someone wants to come to me and coach or take my course and if they're still in the victim mode, you know, it's like, no, if you don't want to get out of your thinking pattern, I'm not the right person for you. Mm, yeah, they, people have to be um, able to help themselves in order for you to help them. And they can't Absolutely. do that in a victim mentality. I understand what you're saying there. Yes. But you're doing them a favor by just helping them get out of that um, frame of mind, aren't you? It's almost like oh. a, a virtual slap around the face. Come on, pull it together. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to start healing now. Enough of that. Enough of that moping around. It's time to start moving on with your life. <laughs> exactly. Um, look. 
we are coming to the end of our our time here, Megan. And I know that you've got a special for my gorgeous audience of single mothers. So can you tell us a little bit about that and also where the mums listening can go if they'd like to find out more about you and your course? Sure. Thank you, Lucy. Um, I have a course on my website, um, which is called Free Yourself from the Narcissist. And if you would like um, for, for the coming month to actually delve deeper into yourself and to um, eradicate the narcissist from your life, if you pop over to my website and um, click on Stand Up and Free Yourself from the Narcissist. So my website is www dot megan m-e-g-a-n holgate h-o-l-g-a-t-e dot com and click on the stand up and free yourself from the narcissist where i will give you a 20 percent discount for the coming month oh that's and- fantastic thank you so much that's such a thank generous you. offer um now your website um i will have a link through to when i publish this podcast thank you um, Lucy. so people can just click straight through to find you there and I think your course um, is incredible I've already had a look at your um, free course that you do is it a free course it's kind of a a, I've got a five day free yeah that comes through which is I actually found it really interesting even though I was just (laughs) being nosy and taking a look at it but yeah it was great to get those emails coming through and feeling like you had someone by your side which is often what you do need when you're going to and I feel I I wrote that little five day free as a little blanket to just wrap yourself in a bit of love and tenderness and just feel better about yourself and it is it's exactly that so even if you're not struggling with the narcissistic ex it just makes you smile when you look it at does. it so. it does doesn't it i think we should all have um some saturdays in our jammies with our children too oh absolutely yeah i agree yeah downtime's incredibly important yeah <laughs> So look, it's been such an interesting chat, albeit around a difficult topic. And just knowing that you've been through the worst with a narcissist (laughs) ex-husband and having come out the other side, not only surviving, but thriving is really encouraging for people who are in the midst of the difficult times to know. Um, And also just knowing that there's people out there such as yourself um, is comforting for mums listening who are, are struggling. Um, there is help out there. So thank you for sharing your experience and your professional advice with me today. Thank you for having me, Lucy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Um, And to all the single mums listening, don't suffer in silence. If you're struggling to recover from a relationship with a narcissist, you are not alone, as we mentioned, and you are absolutely justified to reach out for help. As Megan said, there are simple steps that you can take to make you heal, to move on and to live your very best life. And you, like everyone, deserves this every single day. Until next time, ladies, goodbye.